This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Pohoiki. Goon Hilly. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, and she's Tiffany Trader. Tiffany, this week in HPC, we got a couple of words that are fun to say. Let's start with Pohoiki Beach, a new neuromorphic uh, chip from Intel. Pohoiki, Pohoiki Beach. Uh, This is an 8 million neuron neuromorphic system built with 64 Loihi research chips, also fun to say. Uh, The system is made um, made up of multiple Nahuku boards, and each of these contain 8 to 32 of the, uh, the Loihi chips. So the Luigi chip, you you probably remember, was introduced in 2017. It's uh, Intel's neuromorphic chip that has 128 neuromorphic cores fabricated on Intel's 14 nanometer process. And it includes digital circuits that mimic the brain's basic mechanisms. Uh, It relies on an asynchronous spiking neural network. Uh, to perform learning and inference tasks with uh, with high efficiency, uh, this the newest system will be available to in to about 60 of uh, Intel's neuromorphic partners, its its ecosystem partners, uh, and the company also says it's planning to introduce a an even bigger chip. Um, so this one is 64, but they're planning to introduce a, a 600. I mean a 768 chip. 100 million neuron system called Pohuiki Springs. So this is Beach. This the, the later one will be Springs. And they're planning to do that by the end of the year. Yeah, it's interesting to come and talk about neuromorphic. It used to be that I remember we would talk about neuromorphic and quantum as sort of on the same plane in terms of next generation technologies that aren't von Neumann computing. They're, they're new, uh, entirely new computing framework for addressing some of these emerging workloads. And now quantum has really gotten most of the attention recently, but neuromorphic is still out there. And in particular, having these neural-inspired chips uh, can really apply very directly to a lot of the areas that are hot right now, specifically machine learning, a lot of graph analytics or, or sparse matrix types of problems. The human brain, the way it works, is, uh, you know, it's a relatively high latency device. It's not like our brain is operating with this megawatt power and, and super low latency all the time. But what the human brain is really good at is is look ahead. We carry around expectations of what the universe will be like, even when we're encountering new things. And a neuromorphic inspired chip can really do well at the sorts of applications where you're looking for new insights based on learning that you've already acquired. And as such, as you point out in your article on HPC Wire, can be used in conjunction with existing technologies for machine learning types of applications or graph theory types of applications. It actually shows some real promise there. And here Intel's taking a big step forward. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't. You're right. It doesn't get as much attention as quantum, but it's it's advancing on a on a on a strong timeline. And um, this is another, um, you know, one of the latest developments. There's some other projects out there, including Spinnaker out of the University of Manchester. They're focused on using conventional digital circuits. And there was a, there was another project, an EU project called Brain Scales, 
which was actually focused on creating analog neurons in silicon. And that work has been rolled into the human brain project. And, and like you said, one of the, um, you know, the big advantages here is to, to try to emulate some of the tasks that the human brain does so well. And it's such, um, really impressive energy efficiency. So the brain operates at about 20 watts, but uh, simulating all of that neuronal activity in a classical computer, you know, this isn't an exact comparison, but um, it requires a, on the order of about an exaflops or more, you know, so roughly roughly 30 megawatts to, to, to be able to emulate what the brain does in, in 20 watts. So it just, it just shows you um, how energy efficient uh, the, the brain is. Um, and so that's what these efforts are doing, this neuromorphic computing. We also uh, call it brain-inspired computing. It's, it's seeking to mimic that the spiking neural network processing approach used by the human brain, um, as well as the brain's um, exceptional power efficiency. Yeah, and that's actually the area that interests me the most here is using neuromorphic computing in terms of brain simulation. It's a sort of <laughs> recursive thing here. I've been very excited by the Human Brain Project or Blue Brain Project. If you think of just as an analog, something like the Human Genome Project, where we mapped the human genome almost 20 years ago, and that that didn't finish the problem, that started a whole new field of research. We invented genomics, and you look at the arc of that and where it's gone over the last 20 years. Imagine what's going to happen when we get the first comprehensive map or simulation of a human brain, and what that'll mean for research in terms of being able to model or simulate things like autism or Alzheimer's disease or concussions or stutters, any kind of, any kind of brain uh, abnormality, if you will, that, that could be simulated. And neuromorphic computing could really hold a key to doing that in a more energy efficient way. Now, you know, we don't know exactly when this is going to happen. And in fact, implicit in the name is, again, as you point out in your article, uh, Loihi as a project name was partly chosen because it's a it's an emerging underwater volcano and it will emerge above the surface someday. One day it's definitely coming, but we don't know exactly when. And and you could say the same thing about this project itself in neuromorphic computing. Not that we don't know the you know the next chips that are coming, but in terms of uh, widespread application to a, a, a large degree of high-performance workloads. It's still a little early to say exactly when that becomes practical. Meanwhile, Goonhilly, another word that's fun to say, this is uh, space-inspired and very timely for the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. But let's get to the technology first and what it means for submersion cooling. Yeah, so Goonhilly Earth Station in Cornwall, England, is opening a new sustainable-focused sustainable, sustainable data center. And as part of that, they have set up a submersible system in partnership with sub, the company Submer. That's an immersion cooling company in, in Barcelona, uh, out of Barcelona, that uses a proprietary single-phase dialectic cooling fluid. Um, Goonhilly... Um, was uh, at one time uh, the largest satellite earth station in the world uh, with more than 25 communications dishes uh, and over 16 total. So, um, you know, definitely has those historic and um, the legacy in, in, in the space um, world. The goal with the new data center launch is to transform this services hub and satellite station into a UK hub for AI and machine learning services uh, by providing efficient uh, computational power close to this, this network of subsea cables and satellite feeds and fiber networks. So, summer, um, a Goonhilly, 
uh, in partnership with Summer, but Goonhilly is really focused on providing an eco-friendly platform for uh, data intensive use cases, so automotive uh, applications, life sciences, in addition to, of course, aerospace research. As part of a data center expansion that they're doing, they have launched this uh, green HPC platform using a ten, 10 submersible nodes, about half of them use uh, AMD Vega GPUs and the other half use NVIDIA graphics cards. And they've deployed these in Summer's uh, SmartPod tank uh, using their SmartPod technology, which uh, they say, um, Summer says, provides an energy savings of up to 65% on a system-by-system -system basis. Yeah, immersion cooling is, again, something that's been around for a couple of years and very interesting. And we've seen a couple of noteworthy large-scale immersion-based systems. I think maybe most notably the KFC system in Japan uh, as, a, as a derivative of K that used the uh, – that use the immersion cooling uh, systems. And there are a couple different fluids out there that, that do it. It's not as common as, as liquid cooling or, or just water cooling in general, but the idea of having an inert fluid that I can uh, submerge my, uh, uh, my boards into is, is still out there and could ultimately become a gateway to large-scale energy-efficient systems that, that need to run at a really hot uh, temperature or really high wattage. Uh, so interesting to see the work still going on there. And, it, and so the, the tie-in with the other story with neuromorphic is it's another technology that we see out there that hasn't really seen widespread adoption yet, but nevertheless, interesting to see the advancements here at Goon Hilly. And then plus the tie-in with Apollo 11, I think our community is excited as anybody else about uh, the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11. Yeah, and um, just just as a quick quick point uh, before we get into that, I just wanted to, you know, mention the other tie-in is is the energy efficiency angle too, because that, that was something that we talked to Goonhilly. They really emphasized was their commitment to sustainability and taking advantage of of the local assets um, in Cornwall. So they have installed a 350 kilowatt. Uh, photovoltaic solar array, which they say is uh, sometimes able to meet the data center's power needs. Uh, those range up to 500 kilowatts. Um, so they're sometimes able to meet that on a sunny day. And they're also looking into adding wind power to achieve 100% renewable power data center. And, you know, I thought that was, was one of the things that's interesting is that, that, that that's coming about in the context of a, I don't know if you saw it, but there's this recent study out of the University of Massachusetts, Amherst last week, that showed that training a single AI model can produce as much atmospheric carbon uh, as the lifetime emissions of five cars, in, including fuel. Um, and I know that we, we used to talk a lot about the, the carbon footprint of data centers, uh, blockchains got a lot of attention, the negative attention for that. And so it's kind of interesting to see. I hadn't heard people talk about AI in that in that way, as, uh, but but then there was a study that came out. So you can read more about that, that uh, study in our sister publication, Enterprise AI. But as you mentioned, it was also a fitting fitting story to feature Goonhilly at the same time as the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. And the official, the official anniversary is actually uh, July 20th, Apollo 11 landing with uh, Commander Neil Armstrong and Lunar Module pilot Buzz Aldrin made its landing um, with the Lunar Module Eagle on July 20th, 1969. So we're, we're celebrating that 50th anniversary. Yeah, so uh, 50 years ago right now is on the way, and, uh, and July 20th is the, the uh, anniversary of the landing. Now, that's not 50 years since we were 
last on the moon. The last manned mission to the moon was in December of 1972 with Apollo 17. Uh, there were six landings in all uh, manned or crewed missions in all. Apollo 13, of course, famously uh, did not land on the moon, although we got the uh, the astronauts safely home again after an accident on the way. And it's it's it'll it will be 50 years in between moon landings. There's no other planned manned mission until 2024 at the soonest. And that's out of the NASA Artemis missions. We we, we will have missions going back that do things like unmanned landings and lunar orbits. But there's the possibility that Artemis 4, uh, with funding, could land on the moon as early as 2024, which would be 52 years between manned uh, landings on the moon. So pretty interesting. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get back there. Yeah. Lastly, I just want to mention as a cool pointer, there's a website uh, developed by Ben Feist that lets you experience the Apollo 11 landing in real time. They've taken all of the different audio and visual channels and painstakingly stitched them together. Uh, so for, for our listeners that want to want to check that out, you can go to uh, ApolloInRealTime.org forward slash 11. Yeah, and that be that'll be something fun to watch Apollo in real time and get to really experience it as people were experiencing it 50 years ago, uh, including the the tension about the uh, lunar landing itself. So, thank you for the news about uh, Goon Hilly. It's uh, studying the skies while saving the Earth. That's an interesting story, and we'll direct our listeners as always to HPC Wire and Enterprise AI. Thanks a lot, to, uh, Tiffany, and thanks to you for tuning in. Thanks, Addison. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.